Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. My apologies in advance if I'm sneezing and sniffling all through this episode. I will try to edit it out as much as I can. My allergies are killing me. I don't know what happened. Like I looked up the pollen count in Johannesburg. It's not very high, but I'm allergic to something because the last two or three days I have been suffering. I told you I, I like travel with a basic like like a medicine closet. Like I came with all my Theraflu and my, my Alka-Seltzer and my Tylenol and my Claritin. I didn't bring Benadryl. Benadryl knocks me out, so I try not to use it. But Claritin, they said take them once every 24 hours. But I was like, that shit's not working. I did two a day. That shit's not working. My mom was like, please don't do three. Now you're overdoing it. Mother did arrive safely in Johannesburg, thank God. Delayed but not denied. She showed up with a lantern. She heard my conversations about load shedding and sitting up in here in the dark. So she packed a whole lantern in her suitcase, which I was like, you know what? It makes sense. It makes total sense. And then the power went off the other day. And so we sat in the dark and we were talking like I had my industrial flashlight and she had her lantern. And then, you know, we were getting sleepy because she's jet lagged. And, you know, I've just been I've been running around all day. I had to get up at I want to say like 430 in the morning to go get her from the airport at six. And so I have a two-bedroom condo, so like my room is on one side and the guest room is on the other. So my mother picked up her lantern and she was headed to bed. (laughs) I know I be sitting up in the dark and I make jokes. I'm living like I'm on an eternal camping trip. And it's funny to me like when I say it. Like it's annoying sometimes, but it's funny. But then like I saw my mother like walking to her room carrying her lantern and the complete bizarreness of this whole scenario actually hit me. And I was like, this is nuts. This is nuts. I told y'all, or maybe I didn't. I told y'all, like, so when the power goes out, like, in the building, only hospitals, emergency services are spared. Um, Restaurants and such and stores have their own generators, some of them, not all. Because I've been out with my mom. I say we've been to four restaurants. In three of the four, the power has gone off at some point. The restaurant in my building, like, when load shedding happened, the power went off. We were sitting up there in the dark. And then last night, we were at a really fancy restaurant. One of the more expensive hotels has a rooftop restaurant. And so we were, you know, there and being cute and drinking wine and the whole nine yards. And it went pitch black. And then nobody moved. Nobody yelped. Nobody was like, oh, my God. My mom was like, what is this? (laughs) And I was like, this is Johannesburg. And she was like, I don't get it. This looks like any well-built, well-designed city in America. Like, it has, like, all of the stuff. It has everything except electricity. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Like, it's amazing, except the power keeps going off. I know people are, like, sick of me talking about load shedding. If you were sitting up in the dark every day, you would be talking about it, too. If you were sitting in really fancy restaurants and the power goes off, you would be talking about it, too. It's, um, it's a lot. But I was watching my mom walk to the room with her lantern, and I was like, yo, this is some crazy shit. And I was like, I'm working on this show. I've been working on this show about expat who moves to Ghana. And Ghana has its own idiosyncrasies and such, like that whole pay in advance. My power went out in Ghana because the CD kept fluctuating and my 600 CDs for electric went further some months than others. If the power went off, it's because I didn't put enough money on my account. I can accept that. That's my bad. I can go pay it and then the power can be back on. Here, there's nothing you could do. We were driving through like a really super ritzy, kind of like a like a Johannesburg version of, say, like Woodmore in PG County or I don't know, like Beverly Hills in L.A., the real like sexy part of the city and like no power. Oh, and that was the thing I was saying earlier, like, oh, I told y'all 
you know when the power goes out, right? Like the street lights go out, the street lights, the traffic lights, everything. We just out here like in the wild. It's like I'm living in an episode of Game of Thrones. Remember when they had like the big fight? When we finally got to see the dragons do like the like unleash their dragon shit and everybody had to change the settings on their TV to make it super bright so you could actually see what was going on. Or like the new Little Mermaid poster. Everybody was like, why is Ariel out here in the dark? Some people were like, are, they, are you trying to hide that she's black? We know she's black. I felt so bad for her the other day. She did an interview. I don't remember who it was with. And I didn't write it down because it wasn't on my list of things to talk about. I'm just sort of like thinking out loud right now. But somebody asked Holly Bailey. They were like, you know, you've been getting a lot of backlash because of The Little Mermaid. And people are upset that a black woman is, is playing this fictional creature that's also a fictional character. But they were really attached, apparently, to the whiteness of, of Ariel. But like, how do you feel about that? And she was just like, you know, you kind of expect it being black and all. Which is true, but also really fucked up. I felt really bad for her in that moment that she anticipated this shit, which also tells me that she has a good support system and common sense. Because I hate when people do stuff and be like, I had no idea this was going to happen. I'm way too excited about this black girl as a little mermaid. I feel about Halle Bailey as the little mermaid about the same way I felt as Anika Noni Rose as Princess Tiana. When that movie came out, The Princess and the Frog, I had to be like a good 30 years old. And I went to my entertainment editor at Essence, Corey Murray. That's like my sister at this point. But I went to Corey and was like, hey, I know you're getting tickets to the premiere of this, right? I need you to pull some strings. I need you to have a plus one. Like, I have to go to this. Like, I have to see the Black Princess. And I thought she was going to be like, you don't have a kid. Like, who are you taking? Like, this is for you? And she was like, okay, let me see what I could do. Because she got it. Because she was excited. But I sat up in there in that premiere. I want to say it was on 57th Street. It was right behind the Essence offices. Excited. Excited. Captivated. Even though she was a frog half the movie. And then like years later, I went on some press trip to Disney and we got like VIP treatment like throughout the park. One of the excursions was to go see the princesses. And they were like, oh, well, here's Princess so-and-so, Princess Jasmine and Princess so-and-so, Cinderella and whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's Tiana? I whole cried as an adult. Like I was like, can I hug you? She was like, sure, baby. That's my version of a New Orleans accent. I know it was terrible, but my heart was in it. My heart was in it. I hugged her and I meant to give her, you know, a respectable adult hug. I hugged her and then like sobbed into her. And apparently it happens all the time because she wasn't like surprised or moved or shocked. And she was like, there, 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 there. It's okay. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with me? I'm excited about Ariel. I'm also excited about Yara Shahidi as Tinkerbell. The first looks of Black Tinkerbell came out the other day. I'm very excited about all of this. My grown ass going to be sitting up in the theater, wherever I am in the world. My grown ass going to be sitting up in the theater with no damn kid. Excited. Like, ma'am, are you missing your child? No. It's just me. I'm here. It might be me and a gaggle of black girls because I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. I didn't get a black Disney princess as a child. Like, this is this is me reliving my childhood. I'm very excited about it. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. We don't have a lot of wild news this week. There's news. There's stuff. Like people are doing things. But there's not like a big crazy story. Stories, drama, but nothing big and crazy. Speaking of big, but not necessarily crazy, what happened to Usher's, Usher's new song? Remember the one he debuted on Valentine's Day? He had Lori Harvey in the video. What was the name of the song? It was just a little snippet that he gave us and he was hitting us with a good falsetto. I was very excited about it. And then where is it? Glue. That was the name of the song. He put the video out, but we haven't gotten a song. I checked on Tidal and Apple Music and Spotify and I saw no sign of it. And I was like, so you can't give me a snippet of falsetto. You got to give me like a whole falsetto. Like I've been looking for a song. I know you're busy in Vegas and all. You're having a great time. And I want you to have a great time. I know you went to Paris and you were dyeing your hair and you were having a great time. And I want more of that from you. I just also want you to give us like the full song. You don't even have to finish the video. Like we've seen enough. I don't feel about Usher the way I feel about Beyonce. Like Beyonce, I need my visuals, which apparently I'm just never going to get. I have to go see her in concert if I want to get visuals for this latest album. And I'm fine with that. I got my tickets. I'm good to go. Usher, I don't need visuals. I'll take them if you have them. I don't need them, though. But I do need you to go ahead and drop this song, sir. What else is going on? Oh, that Chris Rock special. People are reacting. One of the people being Nori. So in this special, Chris Rock specifically says, when he talks about Will Smith, how many people called Will Smith a bitch? And he was like, everybody called Will Smith a bitch. Everybody called Will Smith a bitch. Which, when it happened, I did see lots of people online and which I'm not talking about the slap. I'm talking about when he was on Red Table Talk and Jada was essentially interviewing him about the situation. I I'm, I'm specifically don't want to call it cheating because they have an open relationship, which Will has verified in print. I just want to choose my language carefully when I'm talking about an open relationship. So August tells the world, you know, I was dealing with Jada. So Jada and Will decide to address it on Jada's platform, Red Table Talk. And when it came out, tons of people did call Will Smith a bitch. So that part of Chris Rock saying that wasn't shocking. But then he goes on to specifically say, who called Will a bitch? He says, everybody called Will a bitch. Everybody called Will a bitch. But then he says, drink champs, they called Will a bitch. And then he says, Charlemagne, Breakfast Club, they called Will a bitch. Drink champs has entered the chat. And drink champs was like, mm -mm, mm -mm, no, we didn't call Will a bitch. We, we had commentary, we had thoughts and things to say, but we didn't call Will Smith a bitch. On a recent episode of Drink Champs, Nori cleared that up. Nori was asking around the table, he said, who, who called Will Smith a bitch? Did you call Will Smith a bitch? 
And everybody was like, I didn't call Will Smith a bitch. Joe Budden was the guest. They said, Joe Budden, did, did you call Will Smith a bitch? And he said, I didn't call Will Smith a bitch. And he said, but Chris Rock said, you called Will Smith a bitch. And Nori was like, nah, I didn't call Will Smith a bitch. He said, who called Will Smith a bitch? Nori handled it better than I think most people would. Because like, how you going to throw my name out there in a worldwide special saying I said some things that I didn't say? Will Smith is out here slapping people. Now you putting my name in some mess in the infamous words of NeNe Leakes. How I get in it? Nori took it better than most. I mean, he denied calling Will Smith a bitch. And then he said he was just happy that Chris Rock mentioned Jink Champs. And I was like, that's, that's a positive spin on it. Nori has more optimism and positivity than I do. Who would have thought? But apparently, he was like, no, I didn't call Will Smith a bitch, but I'm honored to be mentioned. And I was like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting way to handle that. I looked up whether Charlemagne or The Breakfast Club... Envy, Angela Yee was still there at the time, or Charlemagne, if any of them had called Will Smith a bitch. I can't see Angela Yee doing it. I don't really see Envy doing it. If anybody on The Breakfast Club would do it, it's Charlemagne. But when I looked it up, I couldn't find anything about Charlemagne referring to Will Smith as a bitch. I'm sure he had commentary, as did everyone with access to a microphone and a keyboard. I'm sure he had opinions, but I was like, I can't really see Charlemagne calling Will Smith a bitch. I didn't see him denying it, but I also didn't see anything where it said like, oh, Charlemagne calls Will Smith a bitch. I think that would come up in a search. I don't know. But I was like, let me find out Chris Rock just throwing people under the bus all willy nilly, putting people in situations they don't belong in. Sir, Monique is no longer in an open marriage. I don't know why we needed to know this information. I don't know why we needed to know she was in an open marriage to begin with. But she decided to share that information some years ago and has been promptly dragged for it. I think if she and her husband decide they want to be in open marriage, I'm not in their marriage. That's their business. If that's how y'all keep things fresh, if that's how y'all keep things interesting, if that's what... You know my rule here. Was everybody consenting? Was everybody of age? Was everybody aware? There's no story here. But Monique said the open marriage all along, she said that was her idea. She said that she and her husband, Sidney, I believe is his name. He's also her manager, but she said that they've grown in their marriage. They've grown in their relationship and they decided that open marriage is no longer the thing for them. And so now they've closed the marriage and now they're just, you know, one-on-one faithful to each other, which sure. Thanks for sharing. I don't know why I needed to know that. I know you got a new special coming out, sis. We're all aware. We're all aware. Netflix is doing a great job with promo. She's doing a great job with promo. You really don't have to sell bottom feeder stories about your life because that's really what this is. Ma'am, you have many awards, many accolades. You are a very talented woman. We're going to show up for your talent. Monique might be a lot of things, but not funny is not one of them. Cher is dating Amber Rose's ex. And this is not something I would usually cover. I know it's ratchet and respectable, but there's a type of ratchet and type of respectable I cover. That's not the point. The point is, we're discussing Amber Rose and her ex-boyfriend, father of her child, A.E. I think that's his name. I always knew him as Amber Rose's boyfriend. (sighs) He's dating Cher. Now, just so we're clear, I'm speaking of Cher as in Sonny and Cher. If you were unfamiliar and you were like, is there a new, a new rapper, a new singer or named Cher? No, 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 no. I'm referring to the living legend Cher. I got you, babe. I believe in life after love. That's Cher. That's Cher? Same Cher. She is 76 years old. She is dating Amber Rose's ex, who is 36. Cher's friends are concerned that she is running through her $360 million fortune because of the way she is tricking. Well, T.I. said it's not tricking if you got it, but are we going by T.I.'s definition? Whatever. She's buying her new boo a bunch of shit, and her friends and loved ones are concerned 
that she's spending too much money on him. And I was like, can I get an itemized list of what she's spending? Because I really want to know. Like, I mean, it's acknowledged that she has a $360 million fortune. And people are afraid she's going to go broke. And I was like, how much is she spending on this man? How many houses and how many Lambos and how many watches and how much jewelry can you, you buy that your friends get concerned? Like, I think she's fucking up a $360 million fortune. Like, even if you had $360 million and you spent ten, I don't really see people being concerned. Like, oh, all right, well, you know, she's tricking on him, but she got $350 million left. How much is she spending on him? Also... In addition to, and I don't really think I want penis good enough where I'm spending so much that my friends and family get concerned. I'm going to go ahead and assume he's laying 10 level pipe. I don't want it. Maybe eight level pipe. I don't want, I don't want dick so good. It makes me lose my mind and then spend up all my money. I don't. Like people are like, you don't want top of the line dick. And I was like, "Mm, actually, no, no, I don't want to go crazy. People lose their mind over great penis. I don't want to lose my mind. I want to, I want to keep my wits and my sanity and my money. I'm not even mad about the 40-year age difference because he's 36. Like, he's a grown man. Like, he's, he's making the decision that he chooses to make. She's a grown woman. She's making the decision that she chooses to make. I mean, it's an interesting pairing. But I assume they meet each other's needs in some fashion. Like, she wants a great dick. He wants great money. Like, okay. So everybody seems pleased. They've been dating for a minute. At least publicly for three or four months. But spending so much money on dick that your friends is worried, I don't want it that good. I don't know. Some people are like, no, give me the D. Take it. I do want an itemized list of what she's spending, though. I want to know, like, is the friends concerned? Are they being haters or is there valid? Like, yo, she's really, like, tricking on this dude. They be walking around holding hands like they like they in it. Last week, we talked about um, Deborah Lee. And her new book, I Am Deborah Lee, a memoir. We were probably going to mention this a few times because information about the book or, or the culture of BET keeps trickling out. BET was an interesting place. Everybody I know who's worked at BET got like stories for days, including my good friend, Madeline Woods. If you listen to a tribe called Quest, you got the goods like Madeline Woods. She was one of the earliest hosts of, was it Video Soul? Long before Donnie Simpson. She might have been the first host of Video Soul. Beautiful woman. She's a bad chick. But we became friends. She's got a really interesting story. Like she left BET and then went to work for Shug Knight. And I was like, you did what? (laughs) Like at the height of death, bro. She was like, yeah, I was there. And I was like, wait, what? That's not the point. The point is she worked at BET. Deborah Lee earlier this week shared some revelations about her experience with sexual harassment at BET. Madeline Woods piped in and she was like, yeah, when I was working at BET, her boss at the time, a married guy, he required her every day before taping to come to his office and do a full twirl in front of him so he could look at her outfit and body and approve of her. And then he would send her out to set. Yikes. Let me look up her page and see if there was anything more to that story. Because I read it and was like, are you kidding me right now? She still has it up on her page. She says, quote, we worked at the OGBET when there was no such thing as HR. Most of the women were sexually harassed, disrespected, and diminished daily. She says, we were so young and so excited to be building this black media powerhouse that we just let shit slide. Even me, as outspoken, independent, and self-aware as I am, I ignored shit back then that rightfully demanded I slap the holy fuck out of the thirsty hobgoblin who had the nerve to try me. But I didn't. 
I was so happy and proud to be working with my people. She says, true story. My male married boss often demanded I come to his office right before showtime so that he could, quote, approve my outfit. I'd have to stand in front of him, turn in a circle, and wait for his blessing. It was degrading. It was dehumanizing. It graded my last black ass nerve. Then I'd have to sprint back to the other side of the building, down a concrete stairwell in six-inch heels to be on set when Video LP went live. That was the show, Video LP. Was it still records then? Like, this wasn't even tapes? Video LP? Okay. I made it every time and shine like a diamond. She continues, I never slept with him. He fired me, so maybe I should have. And then she continues on the last slide, nah, fuck that sorry nigga. (laughs) I love her. I'm sure if people started telling their BET stories, there'd be a lot to tell. Oh dear. Oh dear. What else do we have on this list? Madeline Woods. Oh, Tiger Woods is being sued. I mean, technically it's black news, but he doesn't identify as black. So do I care? I don't know. I mean, I partially care because he's called Asian. So maybe I care about like one third of him. Um, his ex-girlfriend is suing him for 30 million and to get rid of an NDA. She said they were living together and they broke up and he said that she could stay in the home for an additional five years after they broke up. She says there was an oral agreement. So she's suing for 30 million because he broke the oral agreement. I swear this man, he can pick him, can't he? Because he stayed picking a white chick to be coming for his pockets. That wife took half. The ex-nanny. And there was like a clown car full of women that he had affairs with. I'm trying to figure out where this number 30 million came from. Did she just like pluck this number out of the sky? Tiger Woods' attorney said he never had an oral or written Tennessee agreement with his former girlfriend, Erica Herman. That's her name. He met her when she was the general manager of his restaurant. And then they started a personal relationship. I'm reading this recap on ESPN. She's saying that she had an oral tenancy agreement that allowed her to live in Wood's personal home, rent-free and expense-free, in exchange for her performing personal services. Does that mean like she was a personal assistant? Or does that mean she was doing sex shit? Personal services is so vague. This is what his lawyer said. During their relationship, I love that the lawyers have to get involved to litigate this shit. The lawyer said during their relationship, Mr. Woods invited Miss Herman to live with him as his guest in the residence. Mr. Woods never negotiated an oral tenancy agreement with Miss Herman, nor was there ever a written tenancy agreement. Further, after they broke up and after she was put out the house, Woods arranged for Herman to stay in a local luxury resort and gave her money to apply toward a new residence after their breakup. That's very generous. I appreciate the salaciousness of it all, but do I really care? I don't. Do I think she has a leg to stand on? No. But the audacity. This is the level of audacity you usually only see in men. I'm very intrigued by it, but I don't really care about this story. She's not getting $30 million. He may pay her a settlement to make this go away, which is probably what she's banking on. But at the point that he gave her money after the breakup and was like, all right, well, you got to get out the house. That he gave her money to stay at a local luxury resort. He took care of her. He didn't put her out in the street. And now she's suing for $30 million. Maybe he said it. Maybe he didn't. Men be saying crazy shit depending on what you're doing to him. 
because personal services, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that means. It sounds escorty to me or not. Last but not least, y'all heard this story about these black folks that got in a car and drove. How long was it? I think I read somewhere it was like 20 something hours. The black folks that drove to Mexico. They said the woman was going to get a BBL and then the men in the car were just going with her just to go. And somewhere along the way, like people are not exactly sure what happened, but there's a video of them being put into a van or a truck or something like that. A Mexican cartel was involved and the woman and another man were killed. There were two other people kidnapped, but apparently Americans, black folks, were canceling their trips to Mexico left and right. Because black folks was like, wait, when we heard about all this shit about like places are unsafe, we thought that just applied to white people. Like, who's kidnapping black people? Shit done changed since Britney and Russia. That was like the first thing that went wrong. We were like, wait, y'all holding black people? Y'all didn't care about us? But I guess now they know like the U.S. will go and get his black folks. They were like, oh, okay, we can, we can get y'all too now. I sound like I'm joking, but I'm actually kind of serious. But so p- people were canceling their reservations left and right, even though this situation happened because they were driving from Texas. Texas is a big-ass state. And then people were canceling trips in Cancun and Tulum, which is the equivalent of, I don't know, something happening in Detroit. And then now you're like, well, I'm not going to go to D.C. Cancun and Tulum are a whole different side of Mexico. Although they've had their own issues in recent months, um, Tulum especially. But this situation was way on the other side. It was closer to, and not really close to Mexico City, but at least on that side of the country. So it was far. By all accounts, the people who were killed and kidnapped had nothing to do with drugs even though it was black people like the u.s government got involved and then the mexican government got involved it was so bad that the cartel one issued a written apology when i saw that shit i was like wait wait, what the cartel issued an apology what that's a level of honor among these i didn't even know existed but they issued an apology they said that that whole thing wasn't supposed to happen that's some people that had gone rogue the cartel did not approve of that. And not only were they apologizing, but they were turning folks in. They turned in five people and was like, here, these are the people that did it. Do what you will. We didn't approve this shit. And basically, it's safe to come to Mexico. Come on. We, we don't want y'all. That's not how we operate. We have rules to this shit. Let's see. I'm, I'm reading this on the Associated Press. I want to read you part of the apology letter. It's from the Scorpions faction of the Gulf Cartel. I was like, this sounds very, very organized. It says, quote, we have decided to turn over those who were directly involved and responsible in the events who at all times acted under their own decision making and lack of discipline. They said that the individuals who did this had gone against the cartel's rules, which include, quote, respecting the life and well-being of the innocent. That's, some, that's kind of some classy shit. I feel like this is some shit. You, you, you watch Your Honor. Yeah. I feel like this is some shit that Big Mo would do. In fact, I think Big Mo did on a couple occasions. She was like, hey, this thing happened. You know, when Eugene did what he did, Big Mo called the big Italian boss and was like, hey, I just want you to know young men can be very impulsive. This this wasn't an organized hit. I didn't give the order for this. And dude was like, well, can't you control your people? And she was like, I said, young men are very impulsive. If you're not watching Your Honor, you, you are missing one of the best TV shows on television right now. It's up there with, um, what was the show? Walt Whitman? Not Walt Whitman. Walt. Why am I so terrible with names? Breaking Bad. It's up there with Breaking Bad. I won't compare it to The Wire because I think nothing really compares to The Wire. But it's up there with Breaking Bad. It's a really good show. 
they got like gangs and gang leaders, but it's not like no shit you've seen before. It's really good. But yeah, the whole cartel apologized. I know it doesn't bring those folks back. And rest in peace to them. And my empathy is with their family and friends because it's a very horrible thing that happened. But just the idea of them apologizing has sent me over the edge. I'm still reading the AP. It says the, the killing of these Americans, National Guard troops and Army Special Forces started patrolling. They talked to a Mexican security analyst and he said, quote, it's very difficult right now for the cartels to continue working in terms of street level drug sales and transferring drugs to the United States. They are the first ones interested in closing this chapter as soon as possible. So they apologized and then they included a photograph of five bound men face down on the pavement with the apology letter. They talked to some family of one of the victims. This is one of the guys that survived. He was shot in the left leg, but he's alive. The family, Eric Williams, you know these are black people. They said they don't accept any apologies from the cartel. This is the cousin, Jerry Wallace. He said, quote, it ain't going to change nothing about the suffering that we went through. Well, fact, facts, facts. That's, um, I'll be damned. I told you grandma used to say, just keep living. If you live long enough, you see some wild shit. A Mexican cartel has issued an open letter apology for killing some black folks in Mexico. That's shit I didn't have on my bingo card ever. People be like, oh, I didn't have it on my 2023 bingo card. I didn't have that on any bingo card in any year, in any decade. (sighs) That's the podcast for today, y'all. There's a couple other things, but nothing that I'm really super interested in. So we'll save it or we won't talk about it because I don't really want to talk about stuff that I'm not really into. All right, we'll be back next week. Mother and I are headed to Cape Town this weekend for lots of gallivanting, lots of rooftops, lots of wineries, lots of beautiful views, God willing. Robin Island. My mother's like obsessed with Nelson Mandela. We went to the Apartheid Museum earlier today. You know Nelson Mandela's real name ain't Nelson? And he don't really know why he's called Nelson? So apparently in South Africa, under Apartheid, You had your name that your family, your village, your clan gave you. And it was in, I don't specifically know what language, but it was in, it was in mother tongue. But when you went to school, you would get a civilized, like literally civilized was put in quotations in, in the caption that I was reading at the museum today, but you would get a civilized name. So Nelson Mandela shows up to school one day, the first day of school, and the teacher randomly calls him Nelson. And he don't know why the teacher called him Nelson. Like, apparently this is in his book. I haven't read A Long Walk to Freedom in years. I don't remember this detail, though. But his version of events is he showed up to school and the teacher started calling him Nelson. And so Nelson became his civilized name. He just went with it. So publicly, he was no longer his family name. He became Nelson Mandela. Some random woman was just like, all right, you're Nelson. For the rest of his life, he's known as Nelson Mandela. There was so much shit at that museum that blew my mind. One of them being that apartheid was constructed after the perfect segregation system in America. And I was like, nigga, what? Yeah, that's where white folks got the idea from. Look at the shit they're doing over there, how they've separated the races so well. We can do that here. And did. Segregation in America was also a blueprint for Hitler. There's so many cultural similarities between South Africa and the U.S. Most of the descendants of... Africa that live in the U.S. They were in like the transatlantic slave trade came from primarily West and Central Africa, not South Africa because it's like mad far. But the cultural similarities and just the way that 
white oppression played out and black people's responses to it. Very, very similar. It's, it's eerie as fuck. Even if you listen to South African gospel music, it's in a mother tongue, so I don't understand it. But one, I know gospel when I hear it. And two, I know the agony, the wailing that comes out in our music, especially gospel and R&B. Even without knowing the words, I pick up on the feeling. Like it's, it's yeah. Steve Biko here. And the similarity is not the same in, in how it happened. But in how the murder of Steve Biko galvanized a movement that was already gaining steam, his death is the one that pushed everybody over the edge in the same way that Emmett Till did. It's not like he was the first black boy that was killed, even in a horrible way. The depravity, the horrificness, for lack of a better word, of the way Emmett Till was killed, um, and then the open casket too, um, just pushed people over the edge. And Steve Biko is kind of like their breaking point in the same way that Emmett Till was a breaking point in America. It's a lot of fascinating shit. I could do a whole episode on just what I saw in the museum today. And I fast forwarded through the museum. Like we got there and they were like, yeah, it usually takes about two and a half, three hours, but we got there at four o'clock and it closed at five. And I was like, who needs three and a half hours at a museum? So basically we're headed back next week because we didn't have enough time because we were assholes and got there too late. Because we had like a really great lunch. I had the best food. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'll talk about the rest of this next week. Okay. Next week. Okay. Talk Tuesday. Bye. <laughs>